Well, as I said last week, we started the whole topic of disagreements, and um, I know that online the title of today's sermon was going to be Our Common Enemy, and we're going to get that next week. I realized that as last week when we started this whole talk on disagreements that it was going to be way too long to just fit into one sermon, and so we're going to cover the remainder of it today. But last week in the opening up of this topic, we talked about how it's just going to be a reality that we're going to disagree with someone. Um, about something. It just is. It's just how it goes. But we talked about how in so many arguments, we need, to argue, we need to disagree in a godly way. And the first thing we talked about is that, you know what? If it's none of your business, stay out of the argument. It's like yanking a dog's ear. You're just going to create a lot of trouble for you. So just stay out of the arguments that don't belong to you. Second, if the arguments are dumb and stupid and they have no importance, stay out of them. All it's going to do is cause quarreling, and it's just going to create a mess, so don't do that. But if the disagreement is against the Word of God, uh, against truth, then we must lovingly and gently and patiently present the truth knowing that it's going to be God who's going to grant them repentance. It's going to be God who's going to change these people's minds, not us. And so our job is to humbly and patiently and gently instruct others with the truth. And we're going to trust God to do his part of the, in the discussion. Okay, so that was last week's sermon in a nutshell. What I wanted to talk about this week are some common mistakes that we make when we disagree with people. And these mistakes can really create quite of a mess um, that really, really is going to affect our unity. So we need to be aware of them. We need to address them in our own life and as much as possible avoid making these mistakes. And mistake number one, I've talked about this before, but it's worth mentioning again. In any disagreement, unless you have the required relationship with that person, don't expect to change their mind. It won't work. It's like that quote that I keep mentioning. No one will care about what you know unless first they know that you care. Okay? Um, you can spout off all the facts, all the knowledge, all the truth that you know. But if you don't have a relationship with that person, let me tell you, you're not going to get very far. Um, what I'm trying to say is don't be lazy in addressing disagreements with people by not engaging in the relationship part of it. Take the time to develop relationships. You know, I, I see videos all the time online where these people will take a video camera and a microphone and they'll go to these rallies and these protests and they're obviously from the opposing side and they'll go there and they'll want to interview these people and they say, do you realize that the statistics are such and such, blah, blah, blah? Do you know that the truth is this? And all it does is create an argument and a fight and, and they're at each other's throats and they're videoing the whole thing. Never once have I seen somebody in that video go, wow, you really have a good point. That's amazing. I'm so glad you came and talked to me today. Never. It's always a big fight. And, and what is the main reason? Because there's no relationship there. There's no relationship between those people. And so take the necessary steps of developing a relationship with people before you engage in trying to disagree where they stand. As that saying goes, the famous saying, you can't pull a car out of a ditch using a piece of string. It's an incredibly famous saying. Actually, I just made it up yesterday, but I think it's awesome. So if you ever Google Luke Dye's quotes, hopefully one day that'll be on Google. But I think it's a pretty cool quote. Because I remember one time I was pulling, I was getting ready to pull out of Walgreens. It was the middle of winter. It was snowing. And a dude, an older gentleman, pulled in, was pulling in, and he missed the, the driveway, went right into the ditch. 
So I wanted to be the good Samaritan and, you know, kind of be the hero of the situation. So I decided, you know what, uh, I had my pickup, my old pickup, and I'm like, hey, buddy, do you need me to pull you out? And he's like, oh, that would be wonderful. And so I go into the back of my truck, and all I had was this kind of clothesline rope, just this little kind of thin piece of string. And so I, I'm like, hey, I'm going to, I don't know if this string is good enough or not, but I'm going to try. And so I hooked it up to his bumper, and I pulled away and snapped. So then I tried to double it up and snap, and I tried to triple it up and snap, and by this time the guy's going, you know what, just leave me be, I'll call someone. Well, at that moment, uh, a big 4 by 4 truck pulled up, and the guy gets out and goes, you guys need some help? And we're like, yeah, actually, all I have is this clothesline string, because that's not going to work. And he pulled out this big toe strap, hooked it up to the bumper, hooked it up to this thing, and boom, snapped the guy right out of the, the ditch. And guys, the same goes with anyone who's believing a lie that opposes the word of God. In order to pull them out of the ditch, you're going to need a stronger connection between the two of you. If you hardly know them and they hardly know you, that little string is going to snap. It's not going to hold up. It's not going to sustain that disagreement. It's going to be about as effective as trying to pull a car out with a string. I was talking to Paul Jeffries the other day, and, and he said this. He goes, you know, Luke, I, I had a professor tell me that um, you can't drive a 10-ton truck over a 2-ton bridge. And, you know, that's, it's saying the same thing. It, it's going to cause a lot of damage. And so, Whitestone, don't engage in debates and disagreements with people, even with important stuff, unless you have the proper relationships to support the disagreement. If you don't, it may simply just cause more damage. Second mistake, and we're going to look at both sides of the coin here, but let's look at the receiving end here. But something, when, when someone is disagreeing with us, a lot of times we think that they're rejecting us. And guys, that's a, that's a common mistake. So often when someone disagrees with us, we get offended and we, we get hurt and then we get ticked because we feel attacked and then we put up our defenses and we're like, how dare they disagree with us? And the reason we get like that is because we think that somehow they're attacking us or they're attacking our character or, or something like that. And we feel like it's a personal attack when someone disagrees with us. But why so? Let me say this. We need to really learn how to sidestep that kind of faulty thinking because it will never help us in the area of disagreements. In fact, it can create a lot of issues. Disagreement, listen to me here, disagreement is not rejection. It's just not. Disagreement is not rejection. Just like accepting someone and loving them doesn't necessarily mean you agree with them. You see the correlation there? Listen, Jesus loved sinners. He ate with sinners. He drank with sinners. He hung out with sinners. He loved them and they loved him. And these people were sinners. So does that mean that Jesus endorsed their kind of living? Absolutely not. No. And in the same way, when Jesus would tell them the truth about holiness and how to live a righteous life before God, which was in complete contradiction to their life, he wasn't rejecting them. He wasn't casting them away. No. When someone disagrees with us, we need to see that they're disagreeing with the issue. They're not attacking us. So don't take it personal. I had a guy one time, a friend of mine, who grew up in Texas. And uh, he, for some reason, just loved Texas. I mean, he's in love with Texas. And, and so he'd always talk about how awesome Texas was and how we should love Texas and everybody should fall in love with Texas. And, and after a while, I was just like, dude, 
I don't like Texas. And he's like, well, how, how can you not like Texas? I'm like, because I don't like Texas. I could care less for Texas. And he's like, dude, Texas is a beautiful, amazing place. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's like a barren wasteland. And he's like, dude, I can't believe it. And he got all offended that I didn't like Texas. And, and to be fair, the reason I don't like Texas is because when you're driving you know, on Interstate 10, I like to be able to go from state to state, like, welcome to Arkansas, welcome to Alabama, welcome to Florida, welcome to Georgia. And you're like, man, I'm moving somewhere. When you get in Texas... You're driving in the most barren wasteland of America, and it goes on and on and on and on forever, it seems. And so that's why I don't like Texas. And so my friend would be like, I can't believe. And he would get all offended and hurt. I'm like, dude, listen, I love you. I just don't like Texas. Our disagreement has nothing to do with each other. It's as silly as arguing whether you like the taste of fish or you don't like the taste of fish. It's simply disagreeing about the issue. So let's work hard at not letting a disagreement become personal. Disagreement does not mean rejection. Third mistake we make, and here's the other side of the coin. We we saw the receiving end. Now let's look at the giving end. A common mistake we make when in a disagreement with others is we connect the people with their belief system. Okay, We kind of merge them together. So let's say that we encounter an atheist um, and as we know, an atheist doesn't believe in God. They just believe that they came from nothing. Okay? They, they evolve. They, they believe that they're just a piece of matter. They, they're about as worth as much as a piece of firewood in the back porch. They believe that there's no purpose in life. They believe that they're just going to live and they're going to die and that's it. They refuse to look at the creation all around us and realize that there's a creator. So really in their life, for an atheist, the most important thing in their life is themselves. And so their motto basically is live life to the fullest because when you die, it's all over. Now, when we hear someone you know, say they believe that, we immediately think, man, that is utter nonsense. That's, that's just plain stupid. That is, that is so dumb. What, what kind of a crazy idiotic belief system is that? And here's where we make our mistake. What we do is we immediately connect that person with that belief system. And if what they believe is stupid, then in our minds we think, well, then they must be stupid. And if we think that, guess how we're going to treat these people? Like they're stupid. Like they're idiots. And often that's where the name calling begins. And in doing so, we make them our enemy rather than the belief system our enemy. And that's where it gets ugly. Guys, we can't do that. Listen to me. I want you to see this statement on the screen. This is so important. When people stand opposed to God and his truth, we have to remember that they are not the enemy. Okay? They are not the enemy. It's the faulty belief system that is opposed to God that is the actual enemy. And that's what we're going to come against, not the person. And guys, if we can keep that in mind, we'll be able to treat that person lovingly and gently and humbly and patiently because they aren't the enemy. It's the lie that's the enemy. And that's what we're going to come against full force, not the person, okay? Fourth mistake we make in our disagreements. We're more interested in winning than we are in understanding. This is a common mistake that we all make in in many of our relationships, but when we get into an argument, we just want to win. We want to be the top dog. 
And really what we should do is try to understand where the person is coming from. Where is this disagreement coming from? Where is this argument coming from? Why does this person even feel this way? Because often there's a deeper issue at hand. Um, for instance, my wife and I got into a big argument. She was, she was like, Luke, you always talk over me when I talk. And you have this loud, obnoxious voice, and it just overpowers me, and I can't keep up. And so it's just like you, we just have to listen to you because I, I, I'm not loud enough to keep up with you. Well, of course, I got offended by what she's saying, and I'm like, I'm going to win this argument. And she noticed she used the word always. And I'm like, I don't always cut you off. And she's like, yes, you do. It feels like you do. I'm like, well, I don't. In fact, I just didn't do it right now. I don't always do it. And we're going back and forth. What I should have done in a situation like that is simply say, is try to understand where she's coming from. Why does she get upset that I cut her off? And it all boils down to the fact that, you know what? I must not care about my wife. I must not care what she has to say because I'm always going to talk over her. Well, that's belittling. That's not very nice. That's an unloving thing to do. And if you can get to why, where the arguments come from, and understand the person, you're going to figure out where it's coming from. And you can make a whole lot, of, a lot more headway. We need to take time to understand how that person feels or why the person believes what they believe. Guys, so many times belief systems come from a person's worldview or life experiences. And, and out of that life experience, they develop a belief system that they cling to for most of their life. I had a guy come in many years ago. He came into the office and he wanted to meet. Never met the guy before. And this guy's life was an utter mess. He lived on the streets of Milwaukee and he was addicted to heroin and cocaine and he's just, he was just, it was just a mess. And uh, right from the start, he was like, Luke, I just want to let you know, I don't believe in God and I don't believe if there is a God, he's certainly not a loving God, but I don't believe in a God. And so rather than engage with that argument, thankfully the Spirit of God gave me the ability to say, well, you know, let's, let's kind of talk about your life. What, what's happened? Give me some background here. And he began to share, and I think I've shared this story before, but here is, here is a guy that his mom and dad met at some bar some night. She got pregnant. Nine months later, she walked into the hospital. She gave birth to him, and when nobody was looking, she snuck out of the hospital and ran away. And they couldn't get a hold of her. They didn't have any contact number, nothing. And so here's this little baby that sat in this hospital alone, belonging to nobody for three months. Three months in the hospital. After three months, the state came in, put, it into foster, put him into foster care, and he went from home to home to home to home to home. Never in his entire life was he ever adopted. In other words, he never belonged to anyone. And in these foster homes, he was abused and brutally beaten, and it was, it was just a horrific life. And when he was sharing this, he began to weep and began to just pour out his heart and just sob there in my office. And, and when he shared that story, I was able to see why he doesn't believe in a God. And if there is a God, he's certainly not a loving God. And if he is a loving God, then most certainly he wouldn't love him. Because if his own mother would walk away from him and reject him, how could a God love him? And being able to understand where he was coming from was, allowed me to be able to try to minister to this man and help him to try to change his viewpoint on things. And so guys, it's so important that we just focus on what, understanding the person, seeing where they're coming from. If we would have just attacked the belief system without understanding where he's coming from, I tell you what, we'll get nowhere. But in asking why, 
we're going to figure out and we'll be able to better minister. You know, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians. He says, I've become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. And I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. You see, Paul met people where they were and then he led them to the truth. We, we just can't expect people to be where we are and then expect them to just show up here. No, we mean to meet them where they are and bring them along. For instance, um, because of the social distancing, I can't really use any live human beings, so we have our volunteer here meet our volunteer. But let's say that our volunteer is way over here, and I'm way over here on the side of truth. And what we'll typically do, if we don't understand somebody, it's like, hey, you need to get over here on the side of truth. Why are you over there? You can't be over there. You need to be here. And we demand that they suddenly get on our side. But what Paul is saying in this verse is that we must go to them. We must become all things to all people so that we might win some and join them. Get down at their level. See what they're struggling with. Understand them so that we can help them to the other side to where we can lead them to truth. And it requires us to do that. And I'll tell you, when we're willing to take that effort and, and come alongside people, it's going to have a huge impact on those people. All right, another mistake we make in our disagreements with others is that we try to change what others believe when we really don't know what we believe. We don't have a firm grasp on what we say we believe. And here's the problem with that. You know, one thing I've noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this in your own life, but one thing I've noticed is that the more of a handle that I have on a subject, in other words, the, the more I understand a subject and really have a grasp of it, the less aggressive I get in an argument or a disagreement. But I'll tell you, the less I know, if I don't really have a good handle on something, the more aggressive I get. Isn't that crazy? It makes no sense, but it's how we are. Because when we don't understand fully what we believe, we don't have a grasp on it, and that makes us uncomfortable. And in our uneasiness, we, we get angry, and we get defensive, and we go on the attack, and we raise our voice, and it gets ugly. Whereas if we really know our subject matter, we're able to calmly and gently and patiently instruct someone who may disagree with us. Now, in my opinion, this is a big one in the area of Christianity, so many Christians, I feel, have gotten lazy on studying and searching out the truth. And I think we just think it's okay that we just leave it with the experts. Okay? For instance, a lot of times people will call me up and say, Hey, Luke, you know, there's this guy who doesn't believe in the Bible, doesn't believe that Jesus was God, and I uh, just want to know, can you talk to him for me? Kind of like, you're the expert. You, can you change this person's thinking so I don't have to? Now, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't mind talking to those kind of people. But remember, you're the one who has the relationship with them. I don't. They don't care what I have to say particularly because they don't know that I care. And you're going to have a far greater impact with that person than any pastor. I'm telling you, it's the truth. So what I'd encourage us all to do is to seek out the truth. Maybe you should meet with the pastor or with someone who has a, a deeper handle on the issue and have them help you so that you can help them. If we all do that, we can all engage with whoever God brings into our life. There's a verse in Peter that says this, always be ready to tell everyone who asks you why you believe as you do. 
Be gentle as you speak and show respect. You see that? Now, the first thing I want you to see is that notice it doesn't say, pastors, it's your job to be ready to tell everyone what you believe and why you believe it. No, it's talking to all of us, all of us as followers of Jesus Christ. We need to be ready to give an answer or a reason for why we believe what we believe. Whitestone, you need to be ready to give a reason. Why do you believe in the Bible? What if somebody were to come and ask you that? Could you give them an answer? Why do you believe in God? Do you have an answer? What, what is your reasoning for why you believe in Jesus? If somebody were to ask you that question, would you have an answer? If you don't, why so? Let me tell you something. You need to find out. Because if, if you don't, don't expect to have any impact with anybody else. Until we have a firm grasp on what we believe, we really can't expect to help someone else in what they believe. So don't be lazy. Do your homework. Do your studying. Dig in. Now granted, I don't think Christians are the only ones who are lazy in this. I think so many people are in our world today. I've noticed that many people who call themselves atheists are in the same boat. So many so-called atheists don't know why they believe what they believe. Um, they just like throwing around these terms. And our world loves throwing around fancy terms nowadays. I mean, it's just kind of the thing to do. Like people will say, well, I'm an agnostic. I went to college, and so now I'm an agnostic. And I know that sounds fancy and it sounds really cool, like, wow, that's awesome. But did you know that the Latin term for the word agnostic is ignoramus? So that's what you're saying you are? You're an ignoramus? Why? And people like throwing around these fancy terms like it's cool, but they don't know why they are. And I've had quite a few people like to tell me that they're atheists. Well, Luke, I'm an atheist. But when you press them on the subject and you ask them, okay, well, tell me, what is your reason for being an atheist? They'll often say, well, I don't believe in God. I'm like, okay, I get that, but why? why? Why do you believe that there's no God? And when you press them on that question, so many of them don't have an answer as to why. Because here's the deal. A true atheist is someone who's not only a biblical scholar, but a scholar of all the different faiths in the world. And after a long intellectual journey, they have come to the conclusion that there's no God in the universe. That's a true atheist. But these people, on the other hand, want to circumvent the whole intellectual process and just come to the conclusion that there's no God. I'll tell you guys, that's lazy and that's moronic. Let's not be that. Let's not be like the rest of the world. Let's be ready to give a reason for what we believe and why we believe it. Know your stuff, Whitestone. Study it, search it out. If you have questions, ask those questions. Find answers. We must be ready to give a, a reason as to why we believe what we believe. And until we know that, don't expect to help anyone else with their belief systems. All right, last mistake we make in disagreements, and this is tied with the last thing we've been talking about. Our mistake is, is we're not willing to say, I don't know. There's going to be some disagreements that we're going to get into where a person will challenge us with something and we won't know how to answer. I mean, we don't. We, we don't have nothing in our data bank, nothing in the file drawer to pull out and get an answer. We're just blank. 
And, and there's kind of two directions you can take with that. One direction is you, you can try to wing it and be like, try to make something up and act like you know what you're talking about, but usually you crash and burn. And then you, because you don't know what you're talking about, you get aggressive and you get mean, you start yelling and calling names and it just ends up ugly. Or you can take the direction where you just humbly say, you know what, I don't know the answer to that. That's a really good question. Let me do some research on that and get back to you. But that's a really good point. Now, I know that that is super hard for us to do that because we don't like admitting that we don't know something. But I'll tell you, it's the best course of action. Humility is powerful. And I'll tell you, sometimes in the end, it may be just the thing that wins that person over to the truth. So be confident in your I don't knows. It's okay to say I don't know. However, it's not okay to remain in your ignorance. So when you say I don't know to someone, make sure you find out the answer. Find out the truth on that matter. Continue the process. You owe it to that person that you're in a discussion with to provide them with the truth. So do your homework. Lastly, guys, I want to say this. In the end, there are some people that just don't want to believe the truth. They actually choose to believe a lie. Uh, because as we know, with truth comes responsibility. And some people just don't want that responsibility. And so they will knowingly reject the truth and choose to believe a lie. In Romans, we're told this very thing. It says, instead of believing what they knew was the truth about God, they deliberately chose to believe lies. Isn't that sad? Now, guys, we're going to encounter people like that in our lives. You may already have. And let me tell you, those people are not easy to deal with. They're not easy to interact with. But guess what? Guess what we're supposed to do with these people? We're called to love them. We're called to love them. In spite of the fact that they choose to reject the truth, we are called to love them. And you know what, guys? Maybe in the end, it will be our love that God uses to bring them over to the place of truth, to where they choose the truth rather than the lie. Because remember, it's God who's going to grant repentance. It's God who's going to give them the change of mind, not us. We're simply called to love. So remember that. Now, I share all these mistakes in our disagree disagreements so that we might begin to change how we disagree with people. Like I said, we're going to disagree with people. That's just a reality, but it's important how we disagree. We must have godly disagreements and, and guard our unity in the process. So let's work hard at developing strong relationships that can endure a disagreement. Let's remember that when someone is disagreeing with us, they're not rejecting us. Let's remember to separate the person from the belief system. Okay, The person is not the enemy. The belief system is. And let's not try to win a disagreement. No, let's try to understand where people are coming from and see things from their perspective. And that's going to help us see things from their point of view, which will then help us lead them to the truth. And lastly, before we try to change other people's belief systems, let's make sure we know what we believe. Let's make sure we're able to give a reason for what we believe before we think we can help others in what they believe. And you know what? That's going to require us to dig in and to study and search out the truth.
But you know what? God says if you ask, it'll be given to you. If you seek, you're going to find. If you knock, the door is going to be open to you. So let's do those things. Let's seek after these things. Let's ask. Let's knock on that door. Let's pound on that door. Let's be, like Paul told Timothy to be, a a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, but rightly divides or handles the truth of God, the word of God. Let's be those kind of people, amen? All right, here's your homework, Whitestone, this week. I want you to take your journal, and I want you to challenge yourself to see if you can give a reason for why you believe what you believe. So here's a question. Ask yourself, why do I believe there's a God? Can you answer that question? Write it out in your journal. Ask yourself this question, why do I believe in Jesus? Do you have an answer for that? Write it out in your journal. Thirdly, why do I believe the Bible to be the word of God? Do you have an answer for that? Write it out in your journal. And if you don't know answers to these things, make sure you dig in and find out the answers for them. And if you need to talk to any of us pastors, we'd love to meet with you on that. And then secondly, pretty generic, just avoid these mistakes when disagreeing with someone this week. Guys, let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that that we, even though we might disagree with someone, we can do it in such a way that honors you and promotes unity. And God, I pray that we might take these things seriously. We might not just hear your word, but we might be doers of it. And God, I I once again just want to lift up my Whitestone family as they endure and go through all this upheaval and change of life. I pray that you might just, that they might experience your presence in ways they've never dreamed possible. And may they realize that even though life and the world itself is changing by the day, you never change. You are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And we thank you for that. Thank you for being such a strong foundation that we can rest on. So God, I commit my Whitestone family to you. May you bless them and keep them today. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Whitestone, we love you. And I'll come in for my virtual hug because I can't be with you. But just know I miss you so much. Have an amazing, amazing week. And hopefully we'll be able to connect with you live stream as the elders develop what we're going to be doing. Love you guys. Take care. Have a good week.